Welcome everybody to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today I'm joined by PJ Barclay. He is the president and CEO of Empirica and somebody I've known for a few years now. And so welcome to the show, PJ. Yeah, thanks very much, Lance. Nice to be here. So before we get into the backstory of your entrepreneurial journey, as well as what it is that Empirica does, would you mind telling us a little bit about your thoughts on what you think three things are that every entrepreneur needs to know? Yeah, I would think that the, these are probably three broad topics, but I think very relevant is uh, as an entrepreneur, I think it's essential that you know your business, um, you know your market, and I'd say very close to that is knowing yourself. Um, those seem very broad topics, but I think you need to know every aspect of your business from the financial side to the product side uh, to, to what it is that you're offering your team, really sort of understanding the, how your organization meets um, is, is an essential mm -hmm. step to know where you could actually push it, uh, what you need to change, what you need to move, because it's a it's a constant evolving project, uh, your business. So really knowing your business is, is important. And that covers all aspects that are involved within a business from team, finances, product, the sales side, the operations is, is very, very essential. And to look past any of those things, um, it would probably be a, a risk and to your detriment because you need to understand sort of how this, your business flows. And I think the, the second one is obviously knowing your market. Um, if you do not understand your market, if you do not know your market well enough, I think you set up to fail um, because yeah. one, you don't know what your, what your market needs and uh, what your market's telling you. And the last thing you want to do is uh, spend a lot of money on developing a product that is not fit within that market. And uh, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of tears and there's probably a lot of capital that you could lose by misunderstanding your market and what their needs really are. I think by understanding those first two, understanding your business and understanding the market gives you the best opportunity to find that fit, give mm -hmm. you that ability to really focus um, and make sure that you that you develop in a success story. So those would be the first two. And then I think the third one is uh, just as important, if not the most important, as an entrepreneur, you need to know yourself. Yeah. Uh, you need to know what your strengths are. Probably more importantly, you need to know what your weaknesses are. Um, and where you're weak, make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the with the um, with the right skill sets and the right insights that could uh, address some of those areas where you may not have those uh, those strengths. But then also understanding your strengths is double down on those, focus on those, use that to your ability, and use it to your competitive advantage in terms of how you pull this organization along. Yeah, yeah, love it. And so in terms of the strengths, I'm, I'm just curious, what would you say would be some of the, the superpowers that you bring to the table yourself then? Um, I'm not so sure about superpowers, uh, but I would say <laughs> that uh, my, uh, my strengths would definitely be around uh, sort of casting that vision um, and then really yeah. breaking that vision down to something that is tactical and can be articulated to a team to get that team to buy in to that vision. I think what we do as an organization in many ways can be deemed revolutionary and can be disruptive. And um, it has those elements to it. But I think for a, for, for a team and for a group of investors to come behind a story that is placing a product in a space that the market don't yet know that they, that they need, um, and it takes a bit of uh, a leap of faith, if you will, on some of their parts. It's really important that you're able to be able, uh, you're able to articulate that vision, 
and then really break it down into tangible, digestible formats that people can understand a journey and see the direction that you go in. So I think one part is the vision side of it and seeing the opportunity, but I think more importantly, it's breaking it down into tactical steps that people, whether it be investors or the team, can chew um, and make sure that they don't get swallowed by a grand uh, a grand vision. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I think the, the other side of it would just be uh, the, the people skills, um, whether, again, whether it's the team, whether it is uh, a group of investors, um, whether it be the market. Uh, a lot of what you're doing is you cultivating a relationship of trust. And um, I think having the ability to have those skills that can foster trust is, is, is important for all the people that come around uh, this venture because it does take a community to, to, to birth a venture and see it succeed. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Empirica. What is it that you guys are doing there? What problems are you trying to solve? Well, from a problem standpoint, I think uh, there's been a growing global focus um, around human performance and this question of uh, whether a person is impaired or, or fit for duty. And I think the, 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 the growing global trend of um, legalizing cannabis has put a greater focus on this question around impairments. How mm. is it measured? What have people done in the past? And perhaps what are the shortfalls in measuring this question um, or answering this question around impairments? And we're definitely not exclusive to cannabis, but uh, the legalization or the, the, the macro trend of legalizing cannabis has really forced the world to stop and focus on this question of impairment and fitness for duty. Mm. So um, what we solve is we actually uh, offer decision makers in various settings uh, a way to proactively measure impairment risk as it relates to driving and operating other safety-sensitive environments. We give stakeholders uh, the peace of mind, uh, whether it be in their workforce, whether it be with their patients or with loved ones, um, that these individuals can actually operate safely in a given environment. Hmm. Yeah. And so this business you joined, so you're not one of the founders, but you're, um, you came in about six years ago, I think you said in a previous conversation. Is that right? That's correct. About six and a half years ago. Yeah. And so your experience then coming into that organization, um, I guess, first off, what, what motivated you to jump in and, um, you know, become a partner to buy into this company and, and to lead the charge? What did you see six years ago that really got you excited? Yeah, so I think the the organization, to your point, I, I didn't have the opportunity to found this organization. There were people that were far smarter than me that uh, developed the science that uh, took a cognitive approach to measuring uh, performance and impairment risk. Uh, so the, the organization had this, this wealth of uh, intellectual property around uh, using cognitive science to predict impairment risk. And it was focused in a particular direction. I think before I stepped in, again, there was this, this move, whether it be here in Canada on a national level, where you just, whether you saw the, the growing trend on a state-by-state -state basis um, or other areas of the world that were looking to legalize cannabis. And this question was consistently coming up to say, how is it that we're going to measure impairment? And again, it's not about exclusivity to a cannabis detector, but it just it was something that happened in the world that caused the world to ask, how do we know that a person is fit to do what we're asking them to do? Yeah. And when you look at the approach that the the, the this group of of researchers had taken to to use cognitive science, for me, 
um, it was clear, um, there was a clear opportunity that the application of that science could be used and pointed if packaged correctly to answer this question around impairment risk and give stakeholders that information that they need to proactively respond. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, your approach and when you were evaluating whether to get involved with this, this company, uh, you're approaching it from a place uh, that a lot of entrepreneurs don't have, I guess, the 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 privilege or the ability to because uh, your background is um, on the audit side and uh, you were working you said at uh, Deloitte prior to to well that's what brought you into Canada I think you said and and so you understood how to analyze a company and really determine whether or not there's potential and there's uh, for success right and so you obviously saw some things. Uh, that a typical entrepreneur maybe doesn't get the opportunity to because they're building something from the ground up. You're coming in while the research is already done. and But then you have this ability to really dissect the potential value that this company is bringing. When you were doing that analysis, I, I'm just curious, uh, is there anything that you'd be able to share with our audience in terms of what you were really looking at when you were you were deciding whether or not this was a company that you wanted to join? Yeah, and I would say, it's a good question, and, and, and the assumption is probably a correct one that I probably put an auditing lens on the organization, and yeah. I'd be the first to say that I probably got it all wrong. Um, <laughs> I, I, I probably got it horribly wrong um, in, in how I, I analyzed the business because the, 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 the focus of the, the, the business was very much towards when, when you've got that audit lens and that financial lens on, it comes very much down to, um, to fundamentals. and. Uh, I was actually stretched out of it because there was a lot of indicators that told me that if I was just uh, if I was just making a decision based on financial fundamentals, this was not the the, the right investment uh, to to make for me personally, whether it be my time, my money, um, a shift in my career. Yeah. I think what it really came down to is if we go back to where that strength of mine actually sat was with regards to the vision that yeah. I could identify a real world problem that needed to be solved. And I found a, a, a way that if this particular application, this, this science could be packaged and pointed to address that problem, we've got a very valuable business on our hands. And that's starting to, to take root now. So I almost had to throw the, the textbook and the, the financial analysis to a side and actually say, do you believe that this is a... Uh, an organization that has intellectual property that if pointed and focused correctly towards a global growing problem and a question that needs to be answered, do we have a valuable business on our hands? And that was really the decision that forced me to, to make the jump and risk my career and uh, say goodbye to uh, Deloitte, which was an amazing organization for me. Um, but the, that's where I saw the opportunity that outweighed the, the, the risk of taking the step. Yeah, which is really interesting, right? Because it's it's funny. So even you having the luxury of having all of that training and and understanding and being able to dissect it, uh, it came down to that trust, the vision, uh, but also you know that feel, the 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 gut feeling. Is this something that I want to jump into? Which is so interesting because when I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs who are building things, like sometimes they're making that leap of faith just based off of their gut instincts as well. Yeah, and so um, is that. 
was that gut instinct? Is that something that is born out of, you know, a history of entrepreneurship or being around entrepreneurs, um, you know, whether it's family members or, or maybe early in your career and working with different companies? Um, where did that come from? How did you, I guess, develop that trust? I think trust, like in any relationship, trust is grown. Um, trust is fostered. And even with yourself, um, I would say that, uh, you know, if I look back at the last six years, uh, I would say I didn't trust myself enough. Mm. Um, if it's one thing that I would look back on, I would say that I should have trusted myself uh, sooner. Um, your, you know, your instincts are there. I think when you're in it and when you feel it, and if I go back to sort of those three things that an entrepreneur needs to know, when you think of knowing the business and really getting into the details of the business and knowing the market, really understanding what makes the market tick and what that market needs, and then knowing yourself. I think when you connect the thread across all three of those knowledge points, you start to really get, uh, you, you start, I don't want to be philosophical here, but you almost move in one with that whole opportunity. And yeah. you start to realize that your instincts start to tell you, look, this is working, this is not working, this is what you need to act on, and this is what you don't need to act on. And I would say um, in the start of this, uh, it's something even with yourself that you've got to learn to trust yourself. And there's many instances where I, my gut in an instinct told me, uh, or in a moment, uh, my gut instinct was to, to act. And I rather deferred towards other data, potentially emotion, um, yeah. in, in where you didn't feel as though you trusted yourself or you didn't have the experience. And it probably hurt us. It, it, it probably hurt me. Um, but as you go through this and actually as you start to press into trusting yourself, and trusting those instincts based on your knowledge of the business and the market. And as you become more self-aware of where your strengths and weaknesses are, you start to realize that you can start making those calls quicker, start trusting yourself to make those calls quicker. So it's not something, I, I think that there are many people that uh, have, got a, have got a gift in that outright, they're just very instinctual um, in, in how they do it. For me, I think it took some practice and, it, and um, I think naturally I've been a risk adverse person um, and I've had to grow. I mean, it comes, it kind of sounds contradictive to what I've just said and taking this leap of faith yeah. to get into this, but I had to break the shackles of perhaps always looking at the risk and always analyzing it. It goes back to the point of setting aside some fundamentals and actually just saying, do you believe in this opportunity? Do you believe in yourself and then start pushing into that? Yeah. 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 And I think that the belief in oneself is is critical there right because i i think that's where we start to face a lot of potential execution failures as if we st start to lose that faith in our abilities um yeah. yeah so that's really cool now um in terms of the the business itself you were talking about the cannabis industry as being one of the ones that has really stimulated a lot of the um i, I guess interest in what it is that you guys are doing because of this ability to cognitively assess whether somebody is is fit for for work or for whatever task it is that they're being asked to do was six i'm just trying to remember the timeline so six years ago was that a thing yet? Was legalized cannabis in Canada a thing, or did that come so shortly after that? Uh, no, it, it was a thing. And I think what you found okay. is that uh, if you really look at where it became a uh, a hot topic, was probably 2014 when the when the risks started manifesting from uh, Colorado. So the legalization of cannabis had already taken place in Colorado, and some of the some of the dates that was coming through from uh, um, 
from Colorado was starting to indicate that some of these risks that people were afraid of were actually manifest. And then there was this move to, to legalize cannabis on a national uh, basis here in Canada that got workforces, uh, you know, politicians, policymakers uh, start to question of what are we going to do uh, in addressing impairment? Because the science is indicating that you can't rely on a measure in, a, in, a, in the system. This is more performance-based. Is there a, a solution that would look at human performance to predict that risk? So yeah. what's interesting is that we are not in the cannabis industry. We just really use the, the spotlight that cannabis provided um, on this topic of fitness for duty and impairments and a different way of looking at it um, to, to, to use that opportunity to bring focus on this kind of testing. And that's where it's gained momentum and started to move more mainstream in these areas that are deemed safety sensitive. Yeah, and focus is an area that I'd like to probe into a little bit with you as well, because your technology could be used in so many different ways. I mean, I'm a, a big fan of football. And so when I'm watching, you know, the NFL on the weekends, I'm seeing, you know, the collisions and and they're, they're pulling players off the field and putting them into concussion protocol tents and they're they're doing all their assessments and so on. In sport, it's becoming such a big big topic. And I know you and I talked about this about three years ago, how that might be an area that you could really apply your research and, and what you guys have developed into that area. But there's a multitude of different ways of uh, really applying it. And so how do you stay focused in a particular kind of vertical or space when you have so much opportunity out there? Because obviously, if you're not focused, and you spread yourself too thin, that's going to be a problem as well. The, the it's almost a it, it, the opportunity is great. I think that uh, when when you think of a an application of something like cognitive science that could be used in many different verticals, I think that that's great on a on a pitch deck to to start speaking about how this technology and how this this intellectual property could actually be applied in many different ways in many different fields. Yeah, but it's also at the same time possibly a curse because. You know, everybody and their grandmother will tell you a different way in which the uh, uh, in, in which the solution can be used, or how cognitive science could be used. And I would say <laughs> the 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 challenge that we've actually had, and we we had for a long time, was um, making sure that we focus on doing certain markets well. Um, you know, we could sit here and we could spin our wheels looking trying to attack multiple markets. And then you can apply the old adage of saying, you know, typically if you chase two rabbits, you lose both. What yeah. we've come down to is to say, where is it that we're going to focus? And we just push on that consistently. We're going to say that to our team. We're going to say that to our investors. We're going to say that to our market that we're going to do this one market very, very well. And then we're going to, once we do that well, we're going to use that as a foundational piece to do the next market even better. So. Yeah. Um, where we find ourselves now is we've really doubled down in the commercial transportation space, uh, focusing specifically on uh, trucking um, and transit. Uh, I, the, the need is really there at the moment. Uh, when you look at some of the risks manifesting and some of the, the macro trends of driver shortages um, and driver fitness becoming more and more mm -hmm. prevalent and more and more of a question amongst decision makers. So we know we've got a sweet spot there, but the beauty about what we have is it now once we do that and we can hit that out of the park, so to speak, we've got the opportunity to use that as a foundation to go and attack other verticals where the science could be applied. So 
it's not to say that that isn't there. It's just the challenge is that when you when when you open up the 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 vision too wide, everybody starts to focus on the vision and doesn't actually get tactical to actually deliver, which is unfortunately or fortunately the the, the way in which a business is measured. Yeah, and I think this is so so key because I I mean I see this uh, when we come in we start working with clients on their marketing. Uh, when we are asking them, okay, so what are the products? What are the services? Because most companies that we deal with, they have more than one. But where are the ones where there's the greatest opportunity? Because your resources and your your whether that's time and money or focus yep. as well, uh, those are limited. And so you really need to kind of pick the battles. And that's where we start and build that foundation, uh, great uh, generate the success there, and then move into the other ones as well. So it's a very, very similar. Um, so we're doing it just at a, from a marketing perspective. You're doing it at really the, the vision of the company perspective, which is, uh, I think, absolutely brilliant and something that our audience can really learn from because um, I have seen a lot of companies really struggle because they are so widely focused um, or have no focus, I guess it's, it's really, they're just spreading themselves too broad. And if they would just apply focus, they would be so much more successful. Yeah. And, and Lance, you raise a good point on just this need for focus. Uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic was um, obviously devastating for many and uh, we, we found ourselves at the, the beginning of the pandemic and where our backs were effectively against the wall. Yeah. Um, and, and you have this, you have this realization that you're either going to sink or swim, and the only way in which you you swim when it's a when it's a storm like that is you actually have to start cutting away some of the things that you can't carry. So it almost yeah. survival mode almost forces you to uh, to really be ruthless in terms of what you need to cut away so that you can just focus on swimming. And yeah. for us, we are thankful that through the pandemic, the the storm that it was uh, actually forced us to cut away. Um, so that we could swim and we could survive as a team. And I think uh, it's because of that and using sort of that pandemic to say, look, if you do not focus, if you do not cut away the things that will hold you back or pull you down um, or cause a distraction, you are not going to survive these, what we at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, we thought was going to be three, four months, landed up being a good two years. And yeah. it's because of that, because of really sort of honing down where it is that we're going to focus to survive has given us the opportunity to come out of the pandemic far stronger than what we did going in. From an alignment of the team, from a product standpoint, from a market receptiveness standpoint, those are all things that came down to just this ruthless focus. So that's my that's my statement to the team and actively asking, how does this set towards our organizational objective of focusing this product towards commercial transportation at this stage? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a really, really suitable analogy. And I, I uh, really like the way that you articulated that. So true. Um, I'm really curious about at this stage in your business. So you're six years into it with your experience, tw about 20 years in from a business standpoint, but six years since you've been leading it. And you, you know, have survived COVID and, and that so you're at a different stage, you've come out of that stronger, like you said, what's easier for you or for your company now at this stage in its uh, business life? It's a good question. I think what's easier for the business is uh, possibly getting sales. <laughs> um, yeah. We, we, you know, uh, we've, we, we get in more reputation within the markets in which the, the market is speaking amongst their peers that is saying, you know, this, 
this is a solution that is working for them, that is solving a problem that has not necessarily been solved in the past. So we're getting a lot of referrals. So that makes the sales process uh, easier. It makes the sales, the sales cycle shorter. Um, I think with the, with the theme of focus, by having the team focused and having very clear objectives in the direction in which we're going has been easier to make sure that we avoid distractions. So distractions by its nature of us focusing have become less and our ability to, to execute uh, plans and get close to actually um, reaching sort of milestones that we're looking to achieve within a given year or a quarter have become easier. Mm -hmm. um, and I think from a personal side, what's got easier for me is uh, possibly dealing with the, with the, with the stress, um, dealing with the way in which uh, you can balance this and still live a life um, that you that that you recognize that um, you know you, you you present you you make sure that you're actively present in the in the various environments that you find yourself within your life. I've been able to to manage that. Uh, easier that's become easier to the the workload you, your your runway has been extended in the business so to speak so it's no longer just survival from quarter to quarter but you can actually start to plan what are we doing in 2023 and yeah. where are we going to be in 2026 um so that, that kind of longer term planning has become easier because we've got a a clear direction where we're going and we, we've got some uh market movement that has indicated that we are well on our way to to making this a success so we just finished hearing you talk about some of the things that are easier. What keeps you up at night now? Um, where do I start? Those are usually the, the things. <laughs> uh, well, those are the, the, the difficult things that keep you up. I think yeah. um, for me, uh, just the way that my mind works is I'm constantly, there's, there's constantly a, uh, um, a part of my brain that is constantly thinking about the business from, from many aspects. And, Again, if we go back to your first question on what do we need to know, those three categories of know your business, know your market, know yourself. I think that those three things are constantly themes that are in my my head on um, what we need to do to, to move to the next step. So the things that keep me up at night is um, one uh you know, what are the, I'd say from a, from a risk standpoint, what are the risks that I don't know? I think it's always a concern for me are the things that I don't know. So, and mm. probably more important, the things that you don't know that you don't know. Um, yeah. So again, another philosophical answer, but I'd say that constantly surrounding myself with, uh, um, with uh, different mindsets, different, different thought patterns um, that could possibly uh identify those areas that we need to uh, we need to address from a risk perspective um, we find ourselves in a very interesting space where the whole theme of human performance and using human performance to identify impairment risk is a very very new industry um, so uh, with that uh, you know you had mentioned that this has been a journey for this particular organization 20 years that has included research that has put us in a very competitive advantage but the reality is that um, with innovation, with new ideas, with the with uh, with AI, um, great minds across the world are starting to look at this problem. So I think yeah. that there is an emergence of uh, competitive uh, products that uh, could come within the space that we've actively got to be on top of to see how we continue to differentiate and actually stamp out our area of the market, knowing that uh, there's going to be a landscape of other technologies that address this issue. Um, within the organization, I think uh, team is always something that keeps me up at night. I don't take 
Uh, I don't take the trust that they've extended to me for granted. Um, and making sure that we've got a highly effective team um, that can execute the plan not only next year, but for the next 36, 36 months to even 60 months. Um, yeah. Who we've got, who do we need to surround us? Uh, who do we need to bring on board uh, to help us actually realize the goals that we want to set before us? So there's a couple of things that I'd say consistently keep me up at night um, that those will probably be some of the themes of where they're at. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, it, it goes without saying that are we building a, a, a high value organization? And what do we need to do to become a high value organization? Uh, what do we need to do when we move to um, uh, potentially another round of financing? What are those milestones that we need to be in a place so we can maximize the value for the shareholders at that particular point? Um, is also something as we prepare a balance sheet that would facilitate a high level growth here in North America. I'm really curious about what would be in a letter that you maybe would send back to the PJ who started the business or got into the business and not started it, but got into the business six years ago. What would you put in that letter to yourself? Yeah, Lance, it's a, it's a very interesting question because uh, on the day that I started this, uh, uh, a good friend of mine, he's been a friend for over 30 years, um, he actually wrote a handwritten note to me and uh, he, he put it in a card uh, and he put two simple statements where he said, Pete, you've got this and I've got your back. Yeah. And um, that really stood out for me because it was a great way to start to just know that I've got this, this team that is behind me that I haven't even gone into, but like a network of friends um, and family that actually support me. But I think the letter that Nikos, my friend, had written to me would probably be no different to what I had um, I had written, or I would I would have written to myself. Uh, it would be very simple, it would be very short, and it would be something along the lines of, Pete, you've got this, uh, you have the talent, you have the skill, trust in your abilities, never forget where you came from, and always remember that you're not alone. And I'd probably finish it off with saying, go big or don't go at all. Yeah. 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 I, it's, uh, it's such a funny thing, right? Because when we're in it, and it's that, that imposter syndrome that a lot of people talk about too, right? Where, you know, you know, the stuff, but sometimes you don't trust that you know it as much as you need to, or that you'll figure it out, right? Like everything. And this is what I tell my son all the time is, uh, is, is there isn't really any problem that you can't overcome. Everything is figure outable. Uh, yeah. I know that's not a word, but but it's it, you can figure it out. You can get there as long as you have the skill set to critically analyze and think about things. And obviously, you have that. I mean, the years you honed that skill when you were over at Deloitte, right? You're a real student of business. I would I would imagine, um, and you probably still are. So, actually, I'd love to ask you uh, on that front. Um, you, you know what 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 inspires you, or who inspires you, or where do you <laughs> Uh, you know, go to, to, to continue, you know, building that, um, that, that business uh, excellence that you probably strive for? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's, there's two parts to that question. I think when you speak, when you speak of like who inspires you, I think out, outright off, off the bat, I'd say that um, it would be my wife, Melanie. Um, it would be my daughter, Victoria and my son, Evan. Um they they inspire me to 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 be better and uh, to to leave a legacy for for them and uh, you, you know having a having an entrepreneur within a family often requires a lot of sacrifice so I, I appreciate yeah. that and they, they're supporting even though my kids are are, are three and two 
Um, I think two would be my family back in South Africa. Um, I think for any immigrant, uh, the you'd recognize that there's always a cost to be where you are. And uh, where you are, you've often had to say goodbye to people that are far away. And okay. uh, they need to realize that this, uh, um, the, the, this the, the, there's a sacrifice over there. So by me being over here and recognizing the cost for me to be over here, which means being away from my mom, my dad, my sisters, my nephews and nieces and brother-in-laws and friends, um, that's an inspiration to maximize the, the opportunity that I've got. Interesting, yeah. I think the third um, that would inspire me would be my team. Uh, the team that I work with over here, um, I do not take the trust that they've given me for granted. The fact that they've trusted me with their careers, the fact that they trust me with the vision that we've cast for this organization, that, is, uh, that means a lot to me. And I think that it's, uh, it's important uh, that that trust is honored. And through that, there's an inspiration for me to, to, to really see them succeed. And I want to see them succeed. I would say something similar for um, investors in the, the 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 investors that have come behind this opportunity. Um, they a lot of the time they're not investing in the company; they're investing in the team and the people, and uh, that also inspires me to do well. Uh, and then from an from an inspiration standpoint, there's many mentors, and this is probably the second part of your question. But there's there's many mentors that have given many amounts of time, and there's many friends that have given many amounts of time. Um, and hours uh, into um, just encouraging me and uh, uh, speaking into into my career and my life um, that they want to, you almost got this vision of them on the sidelines while you're running a race and they're just clapping you on saying, come on. Um, And they're giving you advice and they, uh, you you know, when, when things do get tough and when you, when you, when you drop your head, they're there to encourage you to say that you can do this. And I think, that there's, uh, you draw inspiration from those people that are around you to support. Um, probably lightheartedly, uh, also the fact that I got a mortgage inspires me. There's nothing like having a mortgage <laughs> over your head to get out of bed in the morning to go and work. So yeah. um, that, those are some of the realities too. But uh, I think um, my family, uh, my wife, my kids, uh, family back in South Africa, the team of here, investors, um, and then the mentors and friends that have come alongside me just to encourage me to keep on going. Um, and uh, that it will be okay uh, gives you a great source of inspiration to 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 go and uh, shoot big uh, for an opportunity that I believe is uh, on its way to be truly successful. Yeah. Well, in the event that you've maybe inspired some of our listeners today, what would be the best way for somebody to reach out to connect with you or to learn more about Empirica? Yeah. So um, if they want to reach out to me directly, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, it's PJ Barkley. Um, I'd be happy to, to connect with you if you're in the city. I'm, I'm always uh, uh, happy to connect with a coffee or whatever that may be, or just a, an email chat. Um, if you want to find out more about Imperica, um, you can go to our website, imperica.tech. Um, you can reach out over there, and uh, we've got a team that would engage with you. Or, again, you could reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, um, and I can put you in contact with the, uh, w- w- with the team that can answer questions that you may have about our business. Well, fantastic. And thank you so much for extending that offer to our audience. And uh, thank you for taking the time to share with us your journey, uh, because it's absolutely fascinating. I always love talking to people who have stepped into businesses and now are leading them. Um, You know, it's, it's it's a different challenge. 
I think to come in in that kind of scenario versus somebody who has started the business. Um, I'm not saying one or the other is necessarily easier or harder. They're just different challenges. And so it's really interesting to hear your take on it and what you guys are trying to do there. And I'm really impressed with Empirica. I have been for all the years that I've known you um, and, uh, and learn a little bit about what it is that you guys do. Like you said, the opportunity is immense. I love the fact that you guys are really focused and uh, trying to knock it out of the park on this first vertical and then start applying that across. So, so the growth in front of you is grand, I'm sure. Yep. No, well, thank you very much for the opportunity this afternoon, Lance. Uh, it's great chatting with you and uh, as well, just supporting what you're doing in the, in, in the industry and the sector over here of uh, just uh, yeah, connecting entrepreneurs and, and, and letting us uh, tell our story for those that want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And for those of you who are listening right now and you enjoyed this one uh, and you want to check out some of our past episodes, you can head over to amplifyyourbusiness.ca. That's going to be where you'll find the full archive and all the future episodes, of course. And if you're watching this and would prefer to be listening so that you can be a little bit more mobile, we are available on all your major podcasting platforms as well. So check us out by searching Amplify Your Business on your favorite podcasting platform. Until next time, everybody have a prosperous day. Thank you.